Welcome to the One Question Podcast from O'Brien Governance Design, who specialise in corporate governance for the public and not-for-profit sectors. I'm Will Francis, and in each episode, I ask Trish O'Brien a different question about corporate governance. This episode, the question is, as a board secretary, how can I engage board members in professional development? Hi, Trish. Hi, Will. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Very good. Um, So in our last discussion, we talked about induction for board members. And you suggested that when induction is being designed by a secretary or by someone else supporting the board, that it's useful to structure it around the main roles of the board. Yeah. So the last time we talked about what what I'm proposing are are really the three key roles of the board. And we suggested that they are providing strategic direction to the organisation, being accountable, which is for corporate governance and, you know, including financial accountability and fulfilling stakeholder responsibilities. And really what we've been saying is that if, if these are the three, if we can accept that these are the three key roles of board members, then perhaps we should be thinking about what we tell board members at induction uh, and how this information w- will help them to fulfill those roles. And so you're seeing a connection between induction and professional development. I don't think there's any reason why we shouldn't be thinking about professional development in the same way as induction. So, you know, what professional development opportunities are we making available and how will they help board members to fulfill their roles? Right. So first, just tell us what professional development is in this context. Well, it's it's supposed to support board members to maintain, improve uh, and develop their knowledge and skills as a board member. So at the point of induction, you've tried to set the scene for them. Uh, you know, you try to set out those those roles, those responsibilities to give them the information they need. And professional development is really how you're going to provide continuous support to them during their term as a board member. Right. And is professional development covered by the code of practice and the charity's governance code? And if so, what do they say about it? Okay, so again, just useful to go back to these uh, kind of primary sources for corporate governance. So so the code of practice for the governance of state bodies, um, it says that the responsibilities of the secretary of the board include, uh, they use the term mentoring uh, for board members and assisting with ongoing professional development as required. And then you have the charity's governance code. And that says that regular skills audits should be used uh, and should be done that that lead to appropriate training and development for charity trustees. Uh, And that's something important. I think I'll I'll come back to that idea of a a skills audit before we finish. Yes, we must, because it's definitely important. So how is professional development normally delivered? Well, a lot of professional development offered to board members by organizations, it's it's often in the form of maybe a half-day workshop run by an external organization of some sort or trainer. Um, you know, for instance, it could be maybe a session on finance for board members who come from a non-financial background, or it could be a session on risk management, which is another uh, corporate governance responsibility of board members. So what often happens is the secretary will, will provide information about those sessions to board members. And the organization will then pay for uh, board members to attend a session if they want to. So that, that's kind of a, a common model for um, how professional development is, is implemented. And these uh, sessions aren't compulsory. Board members don't have to attend professional development sessions. Um, generally, no. Um, you know, I, and again, you, know, you might think that they should have to, but I, I think we need to 
Uh, remember, I suppose, that that board members in the public and the not-for-profit sector, um, they uh, most of the time don't get paid for, for being board members. Um, they have a lot of responsibility, um, uh, you know, preparing for and attending board board meetings and often subcommittee meetings. All of that take, takes a lot of time. Um, and that they're also coming from different circumstances. So you, you could have a, a board member who's retired or semi-retired. You, you've got others who could be mid-career professionals, you know, some are directors or CEOs of their own organizations. Others still could be international representatives who only are available to, to attend board meetings. So there's a range of circumstances that might make someone, you know, uh, more or less available uh, and I suppose, frankly, more or less willing to attend professional development. So the secretary has to sort of consider these things when working with the chair and and promoting these professional development opportunities. And, you know, typically, what's the appetite for professional development? Do board members typically understand the value and the importance of these sessions? Um, Well, I I think they often do. um, But I think the you know, a lot of factors come into play as to whether or not they will uh, be able to engage with them or, or not. And, uh, you know, a lot of it is um, logistical reasons, you know, is it in the right place at the right time? Are they available? Um, you know, and sometimes it can be just the types of professional development that are made available to them. Just, you know, from their perspective, it may not be something that that is filling a gap in their knowledge and it has no value. So so it differs, I think. Okay. Now, you've chosen this area to talk about because it comes up as an issue during external evaluations. Is it an issue for the secretary or for board members? Well, I think, you know, secretaries can get a little frustrated sometimes because they're sourcing these professional development opportunities. Um, you know, they're they're telling board members about them and they're not always being taken up. So, so that can be a source of irritation, maybe sometimes, or frustration sometimes. Um then board members themselves, they've made comments to us when we've been doing evaluations about professional development, you know, and and again, going back to what we've just said as to why they would engage or not, you know, some feel that, um, you know, some professional development opportunities are, are being repeated all the time, you know, and, and, and aren't relevant. So that, that's particularly the more seasoned board member who's been around for a number of years and, and you know, feels that this is just repetition uh, and, and something that isn't adding value for them, um, and that others uh, have said that they've they've attended professional development, but didn't think it was particularly, maybe it was just too generic. You know, it didn't didn't really address their specific needs. Um, so so it's it can be an issue for the secretary who's kind of trying to make these things happen, and for board members, uh, and it can also be an issue for the chair. You know, particularly if they're concerned maybe you know they, they may feel that the board members um, do need some support but aren't availing of, of professional development and one example is you know, often chairs are concerned uh, that there isn't enough financial knowledge amongst board members and maybe that they're shying away from asking questions about budgets and financial reports because of that and they want them to address that through professional development but it's it's not really happening so that can be an issue for the chair as well yeah I can see that so quite a lot of issues there for the secretary who's trying to make this work. What thoughts have you got about how to improve professional development for board members? 
Yeah, well, I, I think I do think professional development is a hard one because it, it requires that investment of, of more time from board members when they already give a lot. So I, I, I think just to acknowledge that, I don't think I don't think this is a simple area. Um, and I suppose my overall conclusion is that it's difficult to provide successful professional development unless it's individualized, at least to some extent. So when we talked about induction, we talked about people coming from different backgrounds, having different skills, knowledge, experiences to bring to the board. Uh, and we said that induction for new, new board members should rethink about the board member as an individual and emphasize the supports they require to fulfill their roles. So, you know, if we go back to how we're categorizing those roles uh, and to repeat them again, I suppose we're saying providing strategic direction, being accountable through corporate governance and, and fulfilling um, stakeholder responsibilities. I think, again, if, if those are the roles, I think we should be working with board members to establish what professional development do they need to support them on an ongoing basis in each of those areas. OK, so can you give us an example of what you might mean there? OK, well, if a board member, you know, you could have a board member who feels they're lacking in knowledge about the organisation itself. And and sometimes, I know this sounds strange, but sometimes this is um, an area that, that isn't given enough attention is is the actual organization that the board member is on. And if you're in a, a in a public body, you have legislation that's formed the organization uh, that gives the board's, board its responsibilities. And they may not be that aware of the legislation and what it contains. So uh, if you're in a, in a charity, you have a constitution, they may not feel that they have enough basic knowledge of the actual legislation itself of the public policy environment that they're in, which can be quite complex. Um, and and th that lack of knowledge could be impacting on their ability to provide strategic direction. So if you don't have that background, uh, you're not necessarily best placed to, to, to support um, strategy. So that's something I think that if if that could be acknowledged and worked through with the, with a board member, that's something that that perhaps the secretary could think about organizing some sessions in-house. Um, over, you know, a couple of sessions over a year, again, maybe recorded or, or whatever else that could bridge that gap. So I think that's that's an example of, of a board member identifying a specific need and that being addressed. Another one might be you could have a board member who knows the legislation, knows the policy environment, is very comfortable in terms of all of that, but actually doesn't know very much about the corporate governance side of things. I think, again, if that could be if that could be identified Secretary could maybe tease that out with them, talk to them about potential external sessions that could help them. Um, and if we take that third responsibility, that the kind of stakeholder responsibilities aspect of things, if you have board members who feel that they they just don't know very much about how the organization works with other organizations or with benefactors, um, again, that could be something that the secretary could look at internally, maybe combined with some kind of external session to, to build that knowledge. So it, it's that kind of suppose I'm just advocating that kind of individualized approach, which it does take time and effort. There's no question about it. And there's a lot of other priorities going on. Um, but I think I think what it's doing is it's you're trying from the outset and on a continuous basis to professionalize your board uh, and, and to get them to the point whereby they could all equally engage in discussion and decision making. And that that should be leading to better decision-making in the future. So so to me, it's an, it's an investment of time that that's uh, very much worth making. Yeah. And the way you're describing it there, it sounds to me like professional development doesn't necessarily have to be developed 
um, externally, it can also be developed internally as well. Yeah, I, I really think that. I mean, there, there's a lot of good training courses and uh, available externally, and you know that that's certainly fine and it's appropriate and useful uh, a lot of the time. But but I also think that professional development it can be organised internally, um, particularly around organisation specific issues. You know, what's the strategy? What are the objectives? The organization's legislation, its constitution, building up sector knowledge, maybe even, you know, inviting somebody into the board to talk about the sector um, are, are the area that you're working within. So to me, all of that is contributing to professional development. Yeah, that makes um, a lot of sense and it's probably more efficient as well an approach. But even with a more individualized approach, it's still hard to ask board members for more of their time, isn't it? Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I think... Um, you know, in taking that that sort of individual approach, you're hoping to to increase engagement and the likelihood of involvement or professional development. But it, it's still a practical difficulty for a lot of board members with issues of work and distance to travel and home issues to contend with. Um, so, I, you know, I, and we, we, we talked about in terms of induction, we talked about the secretary maybe thinking about different formats for delivery. Um, and, and I think the same thing actually applies to professional development. So just a few things to think about there. I think thinking about whether an internal professional development session could be recorded and made available to board members when they have time to view it makes an awful lot of sense to me. Um, again, as, as you've said previously, this may not be something people have a natural tendency towards, um, but I think really it can be extremely helpful um, for the organization and the board member. Um, I think maybe also just trying to source maybe some external supports that can be delivered remote, remotely and maybe even individually. Um, one of the things we're, we're thinking about in the company is, is providing some individual coaching sessions for board and committee members. So this kind of idea that you could have a coaching number of hours that can be drawn down when it's needed, because I, I think we need to get away from professional development being only available when we can supply it. I think it, it has to be there at the point uh, of requirement. Um, and I think also just maybe looking at, you know, online workshops for groups, it really does. I mean, we talk about people coming internationally, but even if they're coming nationally, but they're coming from Donegal to Dublin, you know, it, it's a much more equal opportunity if you can do some of these things online. In one of those codes that you referenced at the start, you talked about a skills audit and said that we'd come back to that in more detail. It sounds a bit like what you've been describing, figuring out what skills are available and which ones need to be strengthened? Yeah, I, I think it's very much along the same lines. And um, yeah, the, the Charities Governance Code, it mentions specifically the skills audit, which is which is why I wanted to particularly use that language. And I, I, I quite like the skills audit idea uh, because it, it is looking at professional development in the context of the individual, um, ident identifying maybe areas of strength as well as areas for improvement. Um, and when you when you do this kind of audit for all bo all board members at the same time, it's it's also giving you this sense of where is the board as a whole, um, you know, and and it helps you maybe to to sort of get a, a an overall view of how you need to create a more balanced board so that everybody everybody can contribute. You'll see templates online for skills audits, uh, and then they tend to be done in the form of maybe a questionnaire that asks. Uh, each board member about how they rate themselves under different areas to do with their roles as a board member. And what kind of things do skills audit questionnaires normally cover? 
Well, they usually have, you know, categories um, that look at things like maybe corporate governance knowledge, you know, the extent to which they feel they know enough to fulfill their responsibilities for corporate and financial accountability. Um, and maybe sector knowledge, you know, how knowledgeable they feel about the sector and the area that the board is working within. So, you know, you can see that that corresponds with the types of things that we've been discussing here as being key uh, roles of the board. Um, they also look at things like, you know, board member attributes and competencies. So things like, you know, how how board members contribute to meetings and work as part of the board. Um I would say that some examples of skills audits, they can be maybe a little bit over-engineered. You know, the, there's there's one I saw which kind of assigns scores based on a combination of self-assessment by board members, um, peer review from other board members, and then assessment by the chair. You know, so you've got this kind of triangulation of assessment going on. I'm not suggesting that that couldn't be helpful, but I think that I would just caution in maybe the early stages, if you haven't done a skills audit before, um, to, to maybe instead just to, to think about what you want to know, uh, what you want to establish from that skills audit, um, which is really, you know, where are the strengths in the board member's skills and where are there areas that could be strengthened uh, and improved upon. Uh, and the job then, I think, when you have that information is to to consider with the chair and the board members um, how best you can you can uh, you can support board members uh, in strengthening their skills. So, you know, if we go back again to our categories, again, we're saying those responsibilities are around providing strategic direction, fulfilling corporate and financial responsibilities, stakeholder engagement. And I, I think kind of believe that if you can start there. Um, then I think you can design a skills audit questionnaire that will work for the board. And, you know, we've, we've put up a sample on, on the website along with this podcast, just that might help in terms of providing the first draft um, of that. That's great. Very insightful, Trish. Thank you. Um, the main points I think I've taken um, from what we've talked about, specifically for the secretary to the board, our professional development is an important way of helping board members to do their jobs effectively, but it's another draw on board members' time, so you need to invest some time in trying to make it work for them. If you can be a bit more individual and targeted, you might have more success with engaging board members in professional development. And then, really, there's a need to plan professional development around the roles of board members. You know, you talked about providing strategic direction, corporate and financial governance, and engaging with stakeholders as being the important roles, right? So it's about planning that development around those roles. And then, if you're using a skills audit, just keep it straightforward and think about organising your questions around these or similar areas of responsibility that work for your organisation. Would you say that's a good summary? Yeah, I think that's a very good summary, yeah. That's great. Thanks for that. In our next episode, we're going to turn our attention to a different kind of issue that often arises during external evaluation of boards. We're going to be asking the question, how can you keep boards properly connected to the work of the subcommittees they create? I hope you'll join us. And don't forget, you can find out more and access resources, templates and the one-question guides at obriangd.ie. Thanks for listening.